We are in Alma 62 today. And I love how much we have in this. It is packed that we can learn. And so I really hope it's something you go through as a family. But I'll touch on a few things that just were huge for me. The first is that it tells us in verse 1, he has great joy, Moroni does, because of this response from Pahoran. And it says, because of the faithfulness of Pahoran and that he's not a traitor. Moroni is so happy to hear that he truly is still his brother in the gospel. But the thing that I thought as it said, he received the epistle, his heart to take courage and was filled with great joy. He has to have been relieved that Pahoran wasn't offended or upset. That has to have been such a relief for him. We don't have that. But I mean, we all know that feeling when we've said things or done things that we wish we could take back. And so I just think it's awesome that we have here how happy he is that he and Prohorin are still on the same team, fighting the same battle, one in heart and purpose. And I love that. Okay, so now go down. He immediately starts to do what Prohorin has said. And so it tells us in verse 5 that thousands did flock. And I have that word underlined and circled. I love that. Flock. That is not a few. That means they come running. There are so many people who are united with them in this desire of liberty and freedom. And I love that word, flock, in the defense of freedom. And that is so cool. I hope I would be one that when the prophet says we need to stand up against this, which I kind of keep waiting to know what, if we need to battle back on um our rights being taken away to worship and kind of the things I kind of keep waiting, just going, the minute you tell me that we need to battle, I'm there. And I feel like that's kind of how we're all feeling and that we will flock. So I love that word. Okay, 10. And thus it became exceeding that the law should be strictly observed for the safety of the country. Yea, whosoever was found denying the freedom was speedily executed according to the law. This is a change. This is a new law. They no longer are letting people just say and keep keeping, you know, that they will covenant to fight or leaving them in prison later for um, trial, they are killing them. They are executed is a better way of saying that, although it means the same thing. They can't afford it anymore. They have had 20 years of battling these dissensions, and it has been 20 years, and they need peace. And what they've learned in these 20 years is, you know what? We can't afford these dissenters that battle, that pair with Satan. They are destroying us, and so no longer can they allow that to. And so this is just to continue. This is just a new change in their law. And so I I find that, I like I said to you before, how long are they going to let this go? But I did love the thought that came to me. If even one person repents and comes back, is it worth it to the Lord? It is. But this is a new change. And so I wanted to circle on that. Okay, 14 through 17. Jump down to 14 through 17. It talks what they do with after they battle and they gain a new land and they're able to go to war and Moroni and Pohorin and these are Moroni as he comes to Pohorin and they fight and they get a new land. Anyway, um, and it, they send supplies to different people and they're able to take another place. And I, I can't remember what country it is, but if you jump down to 14 through 17, 
it tells us, and when they had entered into this covenant, the Lamanites, they let covenant, they sent them to dwell with the people of Ammon, and they were in number 4,000 who had not been slain. Okay, this is different than the dissenters who they are executing. They are not allowing them to covenant. If they in any way, shape, or form are breathing out threatenings, they are executed. So this is different. And the reason it's different is these are not Nephite dissenters. These are not people who have turned from God and cut off God in their life. These are Lamanites who do not know, have not been taught the truth. And so I think that's really important. So they are still allowed this opportunity to covenant and they are sent to live with the anti-Nephi Lehi's. Okay, that is huge. The anti-Nephi-Lehi's were one with them. They were the people that believed what, so they know what these people think, and they can teach them, and they can be missionaries. And these anti-Nephi-Lehi's who have felt like they've been a burden to the Nephites, and felt like the Nephites have had to protect them, man, what a benefit to send the prisoners of war there, and let them do the missionary work, and let them do the teaching. So what a benefit it is to have these anti-Nephi-Lehi's. And so I just love that. Okay, so now Moroni and Prohoran are united. They've come together. They've, they um, have done all of this, and now they're ready to go against this greatest army, this greatest battle, and it's in Nephiha. And so here is the thing in verse 20. And when night came, so here's total new inspiration. They sit there. They're trying to think of what they're going to do. And when night came, he went forth in the darkness of the night. He doesn't know and came up on the top of the wall to spy out where the Lamanites did camp. And I have a friend who always says, sometimes we don't act until we get more information. Sometimes inspiration can't come till we get further information. And so this verse so hit that quote for me. And it tells you in 21, he sees that they're all by the entrance asleep. And so he gets this flash of inspiration that they've never had before. And when we've said, how are they able to take these cities? When it tells us all of these fortifications and the only way is by the front entrance. Well, here they have their whole army by the front entrance. And he says he gets this flash of inspiration. If we get strong cords and ladders and let ourselves down, which would take, okay, they didn't come probably with strong cords and ladders. You think that was part of their marching through the woods and marching through to the next city on their marches to go on? They don't take ladders and strong cords. So this had, they had to make those. Those would not be in their arsenal. That had to take patience. They had to have great faith with, that God would keep these Lamanites asleep. They had to do it quietly. It took effort. It took a sacrifice of a night of no sleep. All of those things and God does require work and then we get God's backing and so we know in the morning they're inside and the Lamanites flee they are just they can't believe it it's here's whole new system of coming against them and then it tells us um that they fled. And here's the thing in 25, it's not just their desire to retake the city, which is awesome with no loss of life to them. They have to make sure that they have to go and 
get these Lamanites. They cannot afford one more war, one more dissenter to continue this battle that has lasted for 20 years, the struggle with these dissenters. And so they go after them. They have got to capture them and they've got to stop this war once and for all. They can't afford. And so in 28 and 29, it says that they surround them and they gather them as prisoners. And then it says in 29, therefore, all the prisoners of the Lamanites to join the people of Ammon. And I love how it goes on to detail this. So here again, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's are huge. They did begin to labor exceedingly, tilling the ground, raising all manner of grains and flocks and herds, and thus the Nephites were relieved from a great burden. Not only do they teach them the gospel, but this whole curse that the Lamanites had of being lazy and stealing and all of those words that describe what the curse is of because they've been cut off from the spirit of God. Guess what? They now learn the gospel. They now learn to work. They now learn to support themselves and they are changed. And man, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's are huge. The people of Ammon, how many Thousands of lives are changed of the Lamanites because of them and the missionary work they do. This is huge. Okay, so then in 32, Moroni continues, no rest, he's got to drive the wickedness out. And it details that. And he goes with Lehi and Teancum. And they're going to continue this. And it tells us in 33, the armies of the Lamanites were all gathered together. So this is a first in a long, long time, years and years and years. Insomuch they were in one body in the land of Moroni and Amaron the king was with them. Now remember, Amaron is Amalekai as brother. So this whole wickedness, this 20-year battle is from all of this dissension of these kingmen. And Amalekiah was the start of that. So all of this, here's Amron and all the Lamanites, they can end it right here and now. And it's amazing. Okay. So it tells us they're encircled and it came to pass in 34, Moroni, Lehi, Teancum, all of our great leaders of the Nephite army are together. The Lamanites are encircled. They're surrounded 35. So they encamp for night because the Nephites and the Lamanites are weary because of the greatness of their march. Okay. So they're all sitting there. They don't know how to proceed. It's this great stalemate. What do we do? And it tells us in 35, Teancum was so angry. So the leaders are sleeping on this. He's so angry with Amaron, and rightly so, insomuch he considered Amaron and Amalekiah, his brother, being the cause of this great and lasting war. Rightfully so. It's been 20 years, okay? And it came to pass, Teancum in his anger did go forth. And it's so important that it says angry here twice, anger here twice, because that is a tool of Satan. It is not the voice of the Lord. And so what does he do? He climbs him, He climbs over the walls of the city, goes from place to place, to find the king. Okay, remember when he did this before with the Malachiah? And he goes, and it even has this in the footnote in Alma 51 34. He goes straight to the place where a Malachiah is, at least it says that in those verses, and puts, it says, puts the javelin in his heart. And Amalekiah dies without a sound, and he comes back. And that really alludes or makes us believe that was inspirational. Well, here, Teancum twice 
place, it says, is in his anger. So he goes from place to place, which lets us know he is not being led by the Spirit, okay? Insomuch, he did find the king and cast the javelin. That's different than put the javelin. And behold, it woke up the servants, and they come and pursue him, and he dies. Now, is Teancum a great man? Is he a great man of God? Absolutely. Do each of us have to guard against anger? Absolutely. We have the case of Moroni's letter. Now we have the case of Teancum. And it's just something we have to guard against constantly, that we work with the Spirit, that we sleep on things when we're feeling passionate or angry, that we have other people be our safeguard and say, nope, don't say that, don't do that. Okay, here's the thing that is the heartache in this. Do you think Tiancom thinks it's worth it to end Amron's life? Absolutely. He's responsible for getting rid of both these dissenters. And what a great man of God. My kids love Tiancom. And most of my seminary students think Tiancom is just incredible, which he is. But the sad thing is, and here it is. Now it came to pass in verse 37 that when Lehi and Moroni knew Tiancom was dead, they were were exceedingly sorrowful. For behold, he had been a man who had fought valiantly for his country, yea, a true friend of liberty. And he had suffered many exceeding sore afflictions, but behold, he was dead, and he had gone the way of the earth. They no longer had him. And man, the lives he could have continued to affect and the good he could have continued to do. Is he with God? Absolutely, he's with God. But here's the thing. That is a lesson for us to act in unison with God, one in purpose. And so that story is there not because... We aren't happy that Amron's gone and the Lamanite war is finally coming to an end, but because he acted in anger and not in unison with the Spirit. And that is a lesson for us. Okay, so we know it's been many, many years, wars and affliction. It tells us in verse 40, the whole reason they were spared was because of the righteous sake, because of the prayers of the righteous. It is miraculous. And they want to make sure we know it's miraculous. And here's a huge lesson in 41. But behold, because of the exceeding great length of the war between the Nephites and the Lamanites, some had become hardened. And because of the exceeding great length of the war, 20 years, okay? And many were softened. Some became softened because of their afflictions insomuch they had humbled themselves before God in the depths of humility. So the question I have right here is where are you in this time of COVID and in this time of Black Lives Matter and in this time of all this dissension, all this craziness that seems to be coming? Where is your family? Do you feel like all of this is softening you and humbling you and turning you to the Lord? Or do you feel like you're getting hardened and angry and just done with it? And that's a question I've had to ask myself a lot. Do I feel like it's making me a better person? Because honestly, I'm getting a little stir crazy and it's making me a little ornery and angry. And so I'm really having to ask myself how I compare with the Lord and make sure that it's turning me who he wants me to be. It's humbling me and, and refining me and making me who he wants me to be. And so if you jump now, down to 49 it says notwithstanding their riches or their strength or their prosperity because it goes on now 
the war is over um, and they are being blessed. They were not lifted up in the pride of their eyes. Neither were they slow to remember the Lord their God, but they did humble themselves exceedingly. And in 50, they did remember the exceeding great things the Lord had done for them. He had delivered them from death and from bonds and from prison in all manner of afflictions. He had delivered. And so here's the key. Gratitude and remembering. So we need to, as families and as individuals, be writing down how we've seen the hand of God every single day in our life. Because right now we could really feel like this is too great of an affliction. We need church. We need the temples. We need each other. And we do. But we ought to be making sure we're checked and making sure it's making us humble and grateful and still looking for how we see the hand of God in our life and remembering the prayers of the righteous bring miracles. So continue to pray for those miracles. And in 51, it emphasizes that pray. And then I want to emphasize in 52, and it came to pass, all of these things were done. And Helaman died. The prophet of God literally exhausted his life in God's service. He tells us that they have a conference in this chapter. I didn't emphasize that, but he does a great um, restructuring and recommitting of the church and realigning so they have conference and they um, make sure that the people are recommitted to what we know is true because it's been a long time, a long war. And then if you go in 63 verse 3, which we'll do 63 tomorrow, it tells us, and it came to pass, Moroni died also. And the reason I want to say that here is here are these two men who truly gave their life for God. And the interesting thing is when it says in verse 43, of chapter 62, Moroni yielded up command of his army to the hands of his son, Moroni Hoth. Okay, I went and looked. That was 20 years. Moroni was 45 years old. And then we have in 63 verse 3, he dies. So maybe he gets another year. Maybe he gets less than a year. But this man literally, and this man, Helaman, literally gave their entire life serving God and doing his work. And I think that is amazing. I so hope and pray that I exhaust my life in the service of God. And right now where it feels like nothing good is happening, we can feel like, what's my purpose? So I I think detailing how we see the hand of God each day and making sure we're grateful and praying is the key. So I love this. I, I hope that you can go deeper. There's so much in it. I hope you know the church is true and God loves you.